All right, I think uh, we're ready to get started. So uh, I'm glad everybody found it. I mean, that's really, it was dark out there. Every time I've come, it's been in the daylight. And so I drove up tonight and I got a little nervous. Um, super dark out there, but we're, we're thankful that you found your way and, and um, just delighted that you're here tonight as we uh, commit this uh, to the Lord and, and uh, see what he has for us uh, as a church plant. So uh, let me ask God to bless our evening, and then I'm going to lead us in a devotional before we, uh, as we get started. So let's ask God's blessing. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this night, and we thank you, Lord, that you are uh, at work uh, building your church and advancing your kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us here this evening uh, to be at this informational meeting, to, to meet one another, to, to learn more about uh, this ministry of Harvest Church and the work of a church plant here in the Zealand area. Uh, Lord, we're thankful that you have brought us here safely tonight. On a cold night, we thank you that we can uh, enjoy uh, being inside, and, and we pray that you would bless us and that you would make your face shine upon us tonight in all that we do. Uh, Lord, may this uh, provide encouragement to everyone here and clarity, um, and Lord, as we now uh, spend a little time in your word, uh, bless that as well uh, to us. Uh, we thank you so much uh, for this opportunity that you've given to us. Uh, forgive our sins, uh, for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Um, I thought I'd read from Acts 16, uh, a portion of Acts 16 uh, this evening uh, for just a, a meditation. Uh, Acts 16, um, here Paul and uh, his co-laborers bringing the gospel to uh, Philippi in Macedonia, uh, which we would refer to as, as Europe for the first time. And uh, earlier in chapter 16, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, redirected, rerouted Paul and the others, uh, closed doors, uh, something that uh, church planters uh, know well about closed doors and open doors. And uh, the Holy Spirit led them, and, and um, then Paul had this vision. And uh, a man of Macedonia said, come over here and help us. And so... Uh, they together were convinced that God was calling them to, to go. And so they go, uh, and they find themselves in Philippi. And it's really interesting, uh, I think, to look at uh, the, the church in Philippi and those original members. We might call them the charter members of the Philippian church. Um, maybe who, who, people we might not expect or anticipate being uh, the, the pillar members, the charter members, as we, as we find it here in the 16th chapter. Uh, but I think, I think the kind of people that we find tells us a lot about God's heart, uh, the, the kind of people that God delights in saving and in reaching out to and uh, building a church from. Uh, the three types of people that we find in Acts 16, the first is uh, a religious person uh, named Lydia, if you remember the story, a religious person named Lydia. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 16 of Acts, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. So she was a Gentile who was drawn to Judaism. Uh, she was a woman of, of wealth. Uh, she had a, a home big enough to host these, uh, these missionaries. And uh, she and other women were down by the river. There was no synagogue uh, in Philippi. There needed to be 10 uh, Jewish men to, to have a synagogue. So evidently there, there weren't that many. And so they were by the river praying, and Paul and the others go down to the river, and they have this encounter with this Lydia, this religious uh, woman. And uh, the text says very clearly that as Paul was teaching, uh, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. 
So, so the Holy Spirit was directing this. The Holy Spirit opened uh, Lydia's heart to, to see uh, her sin and to see God and to see uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, offered to her in the gospel. And uh, as I'm thinking about Acts 16, I can't help but think of parallels uh, to our context here. There's a lot of religion here. There's a lot of religious people here in Zealand and in our, our communities. And yet it just strikes me here that it's a reminder that religious people need Christ. Religious people need the gospel, like Lydia. And in some ways, I think someone like Lydia... Uh, the temptation is, is for a Lydia to, to think, well, everything around me is going fine. I've got religion. I've got money. I, I'm comfortable. I'm safe. And yet, what she needed most was what the Holy Spirit revealed to her, and she became a follower of Jesus. And, and her life was transformed. Uh, if you remember the story, after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And so she, she opened up her home. She uh, was hospitable to the missionaries, uh, and she continued using uh, her gifts and resources for the expansion, extension of, of the kingdom. So the first type of person that God loves to save is the religious person who might think everything is going fine, but they need Christ. They need the gospel. Uh, the second type of person we find in Acts 16 is this slave girl. We might say uh, God delights in saving enslaved people like this servant girl. Uh, verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. There are people in our community who are enslaved. And we might not see it at first glance. We might not be able to tell it from the outside, but they are. They're enslaved to sin. They're enslaved to, to idols. And they're living for this world. And, and we have a great opportunity to, to be a part of a work here in Zealand to, to preach and teach and minister the gospel to those who are enslaved in sin. Because Christ not only offers us forgiveness, but he offers us freedom. Freedom uh, over sin. It doesn't mean that we don't fight against sin, but he offers us liberty as he does to this servant girl here. God is also delighted in uh, rescuing ungodly, we might say, uninterested people like uh, the jailer that we find in chapter 16. You remember the story? Uh, after uh, casting out the demon, uh, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. They were arrested, and verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, just imagine that. What, what, what was that like for the prisoners to be listening in at midnight to these, to these men singing hymns and, and, and praying to God? It must have been a very unusual thing. Uh, to hear these men, even in the face of their own suffering and being persecuted, uh, singing uh, out to God. And suddenly, verse 26 tells us that there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and the, the doors were flung open, and the jailer uh, discovers this, and uh, he grabs his sword, and he's going to kill himself because he knows. Um, he, he knows that if uh, the, the prisoners get free, that that his boss is going to take his life. And, and so he's about to kill himself. And Paul cries out with a loud voice in verse 28, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. It's an interesting response, isn't it, by Paul? If I was in that situation, I would have, I would have ran out of there. But, but Paul, is, his heart is just beating uh, for uh, gospel opportunities and evangelism. And so he, he tells the jailer, don't be afraid, we're all here. And the jailer, trembling, uh, says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
And uh, I love the answer, how clear and succinct it is. They said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And uh, just like Lydia, uh, then there's a great transformation that occurs. Uh, He's going about his business one minute, and the next, he's completely transformed by the power of the gospel. Uh, He he takes them and he washes their wounds. What a a profound picture of the tenderness uh, of, uh, of what happened, the tenderness that the gospel brings. And he brings them to his house, and he sets food before them. And he, along with his entire house, will rejoice that he had believed in God. There are lots of unchurched people all around us. You think to yourself, well, really, in Zealand? Uh, 2010 census 47% of those in Ottawa County are, are unchurched, have no church. 47%. That's a 10% increase from 2,000. So the numbers are, are, are getting worse. So, there, so one out of, almost one out of every two people in, in Ottawa County would consider themselves as nuns, having no church connections, no church interests. There's, there's a great opportunity for us. Uh, to, to bring the hope of Christ, to bring the, the hope of the gospel to our neighbors. I'm from Zealand. Um, grew up here, went to high school here at, at Zealand Public. Um, go Chicks. Uh, before before was, there was the Great Divide, um, I just went to Zealand. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so being back... Uh, run into a number of you know old classmates and friends and family members of, of classmates and and had an encounter just uh, Saturday morning as I was running some errands with my kids getting gas ran into one of my my best friends from childhood his dad so we were getting caught up and 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 hearing about each other's lives and getting reacquainted and the church plant came up and 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 this is a very uh, bitter man who used to be in the church and left the church 20, 30 years ago. Um, A lot of anger. As I was describing my family um, and some suffering, my dad has a form of cancer right now. He he started crying, this this man, and and, uh, he said, I just don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I just can't make sense of that. And so I had a, a little opportunity to talk to him about God and about uh, the mystery of, of God's ways and workings, but about the cross and about um, how that's where we find our greatest comfort and our greatest hope, even in the midst of our, of our questions, even when we can't understand everything. And so just, just an everyday example of someone that I just recently talked to in Zealand who grew up in the church uh, many decades ago, but now has no interest and is, is shaking his fist at at God. Acts 16 reminds us that God loves saving sinners. He loves saving religious people. He loves saving enslaved people. He loves saving ungodly people uh, by opening up their eyes. And uh, remember, and I need to remember this every day, that um, he came to save people like me, a sinner. Remember uh, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of this, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We have been, by God's grace, delivered out of our own bondage to sin, and we have been given a great calling and blessing and privilege to bring that same good news uh, to our community, to all those who are living amongst us, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members. And so uh, it is with uh, great enthusiasm and joy that, uh, that the Lord is, is working and has been working and has led us up to this point. 
so at this point, by the way, does everyone have uh, one of these salmon-colored handouts for tonight? If you don't, I think there are some more out here. Eli, can you get some extras, bud, if someone needs one? On the front, you'll see just sort of a, a, a lineup here of what we're going to cover tonight. Uh, and then in the inside, we'll get to that in a few minutes, uh, some of the core values that we've been working out together. Um, and so at this time, I, I want to invite up uh, Pastor Dale Van Dyke. Pastor Dale Van Dyke has been the pastor at Harvest OPC in Wyoming, Michigan for a long time. Uh, what is it, Dale? 20, 24 years. And, uh, and, and Dale has a heart for church planting, and Harvest has a, a, church, a heart for church planting. Um, also want to introduce Pastor Wayne Veenstra. He was uh, one of the guys welcoming you this, this evening as you came in. Also, Eric Cure. Where's Eric? Eric is uh, interning at Harvest this year from Brazil. And there are some uh, elders as well from Harvest. Um, and so tonight we just want to share a little bit with you uh, about who Harvest is and, and Harvest Heart for Church Planting and uh, sort of how we got to this point. So here we are, November 13. How did we get here? And so uh, I've asked Dale to, to give us kind of an update and, and share his heart with us. So Dale, why don't you come up and do that? Good evening, folks. I'm Dale Van Dyke. I grew, I grew up in Coopersville on a dairy farm, and we had chicks on the farm. And there's something about go chicks that just, um, it's like an oxymoron somewhat. Right? <laughs> we, we buried a lot of chicks. Uh, <laughs> but that's all right. I mean, <laughs> it's great to be here. This is so exciting. Um, to see you all out here tonight, and you had to be serious about getting here tonight, you know, in the uh, sort of the wind your way back here, and the, that's all right. We want, we just want the serious people who are committed. <clears throat> so this was a test, and uh, you, you've done really well. Um, uh, let me just introduce very quickly um, some of the, the elders uh, from Harvest here. Uh, we have Don McCrory. Don, if you just stand up, quick a minute, and um, thank you, Don, and Mike Shoemaker, elder at Harvest, and nice Dean Terhar, and. Who's in the back? Ed's in the back. Ed Pierce, very good. And Mark Skolton, I saw Mark Skolton. There you go. These are all active uh, members, elders at Harvest. And John Davies. John, would you please stand up? Thank you. So just, um, I, I'm going to talk just very briefly about, a uh, little bit about why Harvest uh, is excited about doing church planning and then how did we, how did we get here. Uh, if you've never, I, most of you I think have, have uh, You've heard of maybe if Harvest has been there. If not, we'd welcome you just to come and sort of see um, what it's like. What we um, are excited, uh, we, uh, we're very excited about planting churches. We've, this is our fourth. Uh, we've, um, Cedar Church was a church plan of ours. We had about 10 families go to Cedar in, in uh, Hudsonville, now in Jenison, and um, see some familiar faces. That's uh, a, while, a while back. Uh, also, Ada Church and in, in, uh, Redeemer. We did not send folks there, but we oversaw that work. New City Fellowship on the southeast side of town, and, uh, and now, Lord willing, uh, a church plant here in Zealand. Uh, this has been uh, part of our um, passion from the get-go, really, and, and the reasons are very simple. The reason that we're committed as a church to church planning is because we uh, are convinced that that uh, God is in the uh, is committed to church planning. That uh, I read a um, an article uh, maybe a month ago. I don't remember who it was by. I think Jared Wilson, but uh, he just said um, you, Jesus died uh, to forgive us all of our sins. Praise God. Uh, Jesus uh, has sent His Holy Spirit to uh, to sanctify us. If God wanted to, He could sanctify us and bring us to heaven tomorrow. That's our eternal home. That's what we're saved for. That's where we're going. So why are we still here? And the answer is mission. Um, God still has elect that need to be gathered in. And he's called us to be a part of it. There's, that's the only reason we're still here, is because uh, Jesus is still building his church, and elect still need to be gathered in, and uh, the church needs to be built up. And so uh, we believe that church planning is one of the primary ways that God gathers uh, his elect. One of, uh, one of the uh, responses that People, uh, when I say we're planning a church in, and hoping to plant a church in Zealand or anywhere in West Michigan, frankly, uh, eyebrows go up. Like, oh, really? <laughs> Have you been to Zealand? Um, there are churches everywhere. 
And uh, that's true, there are churches everywhere. So why would we plant a church in Zealand? Uh, other people will say, well, there's a lot of struggling churches in the West Michigan area. Why don't we just help those churches revitalize? Um, there, are, um, good, there are good answers to that. And, and the best answer is that, um, as Mike said, 47% of people in, the, in Otto County do not have a church home. The, there's another 25% who do, uh, maybe uh, are loosely affiliated with, but with a non-evangelical church. So the Roman Catholic Church. Um, could even be um, uh, Jehovah Witness Church, okay? Uh, churches that, so that means that three out of four people in Ottawa County need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it has been proven historically that church plants are um, more effective in evangelizing in one part because they depend on uh, reaching out and in, in, into, into, uh, in, in gathering folks. But the other part is, is that uh, people tend to be um, more willing to come to a new church. Uh, there's, it's e they, they find easier access. And so if you go to an, old, uh, an established church, uh, everybody knows everyone, everybody has their relationships, it can be difficult to break in. But new church plants, uh, as they're still forming and growing, are much easier. And so as surveys just show over and over and over again that new church plants are simply better, more effective at evangelism. And uh, so it's a great, it's a great door. But the, uh, so our vision at, at, at Harvest is to plant as many churches uh, anywhere the Lord opens doors. Uh, my dream would be to have 25 OPC churches in West Michigan. Maybe, let's, 50? There's no reason we could not have 50 OPC churches in West Michigan. No, there's just no reason at all. So um, the need is that great. There are that many people who don't know Jesus Christ. The other benefit of church planting, the other, the other, uh, other reason we pursue it, is that church planting is essential, I believe, to the spiritual health of mother churches. That um, if, if the tendency of a church, as you know, over time is to, is to go inward and to start worrying about uh, taking care of things that are right in front of us right now. So uh, what we like, what we need, the programs that we have going... And, it's, um, and, and it, the only way that that can be really effectively resisted is intentionally focusing outward and using energy and money, resources, uh, to start a work uh, to uh, sacrifice. So church plants are expensive for a mother church. When we planted uh, New City, about 100 people left. Really, really, really good people. Uh, not saying anything about the people that stayed, but we love... <laughs> We lost some really cream-of-the-crop missional people, which would be exactly the sort of people that would be, uh, would be interested and the sort of people that a church plant needs. Well, what happened after that, our best givers left. Um, what happened after that is the Lord raised up a whole new tier of leadership, a new uh, tier of, um, we had our best financial year the year after those people left. So our numbers were down, um, the budget went up. Now, how do, you, how do you explain that? Just, it's just the Lord, right? We, you, we don't outgive the Lord. And, uh, and we saw a lot of our young families left. So I'm, as a pastor, I'm watching, you know, young families, many of them growing up at Harvest Church, head out the door to go do this exciting new church plan. Um, well, that's a big loss. The next couple of years, the Lord has swarmed us with young families, um, it's an embarrassment of riches. So, but I'm convinced, not just, so, you know, budgets and, 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 and people, but it keeps, a, it keeps a church missional. It keeps a church remembering why we're here. And church plants are great because um, kids can teach mother churches some things too. We can, we can learn from them. And that's one of the reasons why I believe that church plants are um, not only healthy for a mother church, church plants are healthy for a community. That when a, when a new church comes into town, and, and uh, if the Lord blesses that work, uh, other churches are sort of, well, if they can do it, we could do it. What, what, what's going on over there? What, maybe we need to rethink some things. This is just proven uh, by studies of, of, of church plants, the benefit that a, a, a new church in town can have um, on the church community. And, and churches get revitalized in that way. And we would want to see all that happening. Uh, in Zealand. We'd want to see uh, not only this church grow vibrant and, and strong, but we'd want to see other churches also uh, encouraged and built up. Um, 
the, the, uh, so, so it's not rocket science why we're interested in this. Uh, we believe it's obedience, we believe, and we believe it's essential for the health of, uh, of, of Harvest Church. Uh, we think it's essential for the progress of the, of the mission of God in, in West Michigan. Uh, uh, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Let's ask the Lord to do more than we could ask or imagine. Let's uh, ask the Lord to uh, not only plant this church, but to continue plant churches. And that uh, from the outset, this church would have a church planning mission and vision. Um, how did we get to Zealand? Uh, people have asked us that question. And there's no... Um, the answer is the Lord opened the door. Uh, as, as you know, if, you're, if you've been at Harvest Church, we were hoping to go south. We had a group that was meeting together, uh, intending to plant a church and working on planting the church to the south. Uh, and then for one reason after another, some families had health issues, other people, uh, their career changed and they got, they got too busy. And, um, and it just, we just weren't getting traction in the church plant uh, to the south. The... Um, so we're prayerfully sort of looking to the Lord because we've been talking about doing another church plant here for the last year or so. And, and um, I've known Mike for a long time. And um, we started to talk about um, what, what would it look like if, um, if, if we had, we've been talking, you know, uh, sort of dreaming down in, in years past. What would it look like if, if we could somehow work together? And then Mike um, just shares his heart. Is, uh, he's in Zealand, and he's got a passion for this community. There's a need here in this community. And so we talked, we talked with uh, our leadership, and we, um, we talked to Mike, had several conversations with Mike. And it just seems like the Lord is opening a door here. Um, are there other uh, places? So if someone suggested, well, I know, but, I mean, Zealand is, it's so, it's okay. Um, uh, if the Lord opens that door, I just think we should walk through it. Uh, and, and thank the Lord for, for, the, uh, for the benefit. And I think the fact that uh, so many of you are here tonight shows that there is a, a need here in this area. And the fact that there's, you know, 75% of people in Ottawa County that, that need to know about Jesus Christ, I think that's all the, the all evidence we would need. But uh, we're trusting the Lord. We're looking to the Lord. Uh, man does not build the house, right? Unless the Lord builds the house, they who build it labor in vain. And we are, this is, this is complete dependence on the Lord here. Um, there's, no, there's no magic formula for planting churches. It's prayer. And then I was talking to a friend of mine down in Brazil. I was out there um, two weeks ago, and, and he's a church planner. And he says the two secrets to church planning is you need to pray, and then you need to pray some more. <laughs> and... And that, those are the secrets, all right? Pray and then pray some more. So that's how we want to move forward uh, here in Zealand. Uh, because what, the, the tragedy would be if we built a church, right? That would be a tragedy. But if Jesus builds a church, that's a miracle. And that's what we're looking for. Any questions? All right. Thank you so much for being out here tonight. And Mike's going to come now and talk a little bit about the uh, mission, the values, uh, sort of what Lord's placed on his heart when it comes to church planning. Okay, so if you're uh, still following, we're going to look at the inside here. Um, starting with the mission, so top left. By the way, the, uh, the Zealand chick was really buff. <laughs> so, he, I mean, he could hold his own. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was always a little awkward. It was always a little awkward. But once a chick, always a chick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. um, so top left. Uh, so this is, this is a document that uh, the session of Harvest has looked at. Um, has given at least an initial approval in terms of the concept. Um, you know, still working out some of the fine points here, but 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 essentially this is uh, something that that we're bringing tonight. Um, so the mission would sound uh, like this: We exist to make godly disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's in some ways that's. Right, that's the, the great commission to go and to make disciples. So we want to make godly, we want to make mature disciples of Jesus Christ uh, who exalt God with joy, 
who equip one another with truth and who engage unbelievers with hope, all because of the gospel, all because of the gospel. So making disciples uh, who worship and, and who uh, walk alongside of one another and who then take the gospel to our neighbors, all because of God's work in our lives. So if you'd follow along, um, I'm just going to walk through these uh, here tonight. We seek to do this through the t- following 10 core values. So these are things that we would, um, we would be committed to, things that would sort of jump off the page at, okay, what, uh, what, what are some distinctives about uh, this particular church plant, about this particular work? And uh, be- begin with gospel centrality, the good news of Jesus Christ's obedient life, substitutionary death, and bodily resurrection for undeserving sinners fuels all that we do. It fuels all that we do. We want the gospel to be uh, in our DNA. We want, we want grace to be in our, uh, our culture, our DNA culture, uh, not only in terms of preaching uh, and teaching, uh, but also just in terms of the whole ministry, um, discipleship and, and counseling and uh, our fellowship with one another. We want uh, to be a church where uh, our, our hearts beat uh, in, light of, in light of the good news, uh, and that and that permeates who we are, and that permeates uh, what we do. Uh, just wanted to uh, share one thing on this on this point. Um, this is called the Gospel: How the Church Portrays the Beauty of Christ by Ray Ortland. He says, "Gospel doctrine creates a gospel culture." The doctrine of grace creates a culture of grace. When the doctrine is clear and the culture is beautiful, that church will be powerful. But there are no shortcuts to getting there. Without the doctrine, the culture will be weak. Without the culture, the doctrine will seem pointless. Uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote, One cannot explain the explosive dynamite of the early church apart from the fact that they practiced two things simultaneously, orthodoxy of doctrine and orthodoxy of community in the midst of the visible church, a community which the world could see. By the grace of God, he said, therefore the church must be known simultaneously for its purity of doctrine and the reality of its community. Our churches have so often been only preaching points with very little emphasis on community, but exhibition of the love of God in practice is beautiful and must be there. He then, uh, then Ortland says a little bit later, if by God's grace we hold the two together, gospel doctrine and gospel culture, people of all ages will more likely come to our churches with great joy. It is more likely that they will think, here is the answer I've been looking for all my life. So, so a gospel centrality, um, something that I envision is, is being a church where... Um, People from all sorts of walks of life and backgrounds and age groups uh, can feel welcomed and can feel like they can serve and, and be a part of the community. Uh, one um, area that my wife and I have a special uh, place in our hearts for, th- those with special needs, uh, for example. Also, uh, single adults, uh, sometimes who, who um, struggle to sort of find a place in our churches uh, because so often we're talking about marriage, we're talking about parenting, and, and they sort of struggle. Um, those who maybe are a little bit older who, who are single, uh, we want to be a church that uh, welcomes those and, uh, and focuses on the good news of, of Christ. Uh, number two, reformed doctrine. So we want to be gospel-centered, but not, um, not at the expense of you know, watering down our commitments to Reformed theology. We joyfully confess, defend, and teach the doctrine of Scripture as summarized in the Westminster Standards, so the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger and shorter catechisms. Um, something that we hope to do, uh, and, and I'll explain in a little while what's next in terms of timeline, but... Something we talked about doing was, was having Pastor Dale give a sort of a, so uh, um, what is the OPC? Because I know for some of you that's probably a question in your mind. Uh, 
what's the history, what's the difference between the OPC and, and some of the, the Dutch Reformed groups? I know for myself, uh, in 1996-97, I grew up uh, at uh, an RCA church here in town, and, and um, we saw an ad in the newspaper, back when people read the newspaper, about the five solas of the Reformation, and we were, huh? We haven't seen this in a long time, and so and so we went to the first service. It was a PCA church. And I remember asking my parents, what's a Presbyterian? I didn't know what a Presbyterian was. I couldn't spell Presbyterian. And, and so we went. But it was, just, it was just pure joy and delight in the sound doctrine of the Word of God. And for me personally, being uh, introduced and exposed to the Westminster Standards, coming out of a different context, was actually incredibly refreshing in a good way. It made me really interested in, wow, there's, there's, um, there's more than just my experience in terms of uh, Reformed uh, practice. And so for me, the Westminster Standards have been just a huge uh, blessing. And uh, since coming back now to, uh, to Presbyterianism, uh, being in the URC for about 12 years, it's been really uh, exciting also to, to, uh, to get back into the Westminster Confession of Faith and the, and the catechisms. Uh, number three, uh, and, and Dale touched on this, prayer dependency. We feel the necessity and privilege of prayer and regularly gather before God's throne of grace to pray for one another in the advancement of Christ's kingdom in our church, families, community, and uh, the world. And, and I really don't want prayer to be something that we just say, because it's easy, right? Everyone says, yes, we have to pray. But I want prayer to be central, um, foundational, something that we do often, because we, we love to pray and we need to pray. Um, and so I've been praying, my family's been praying uh, a lot about uh, tonight and about uh, just the, the work of, of the Lord here. And I just hope that continues, and I hope that you'll join in. And I know many of you have been praying already. And uh, we just really uh, need to make that central. Just another uh, short blurb here. Prayer, how praying together shapes the church. It says this. The pastor says, I have pastored two churches over the past decade, and I've been involved with networks, organizations, seminaries, collectives, and other groups of Christians. I've sat with visionary leaders who have churches filled with great systems. I've also sat with leaders who aren't visionary and who have churches with poor systems. I've done ministry with gifted individuals, people with average gifts, and people with very little gifting or proficiency at all. I've partnered with attractional churches, missional churches, mega churches, medium churches, and meager churches. Throughout my experience, I've learned that these distinctions are not the most important. He says, if I had to draw a line to create two categories of churches, it wouldn't follow these distinctions. I've learned to see churches as those that pray and those that don't. Those that pray and those that don't. And uh, by God's grace, my vision is to, to see and have a church that prays regularly, um, together, in, in, in small group type context, Bible studies, discipleship times, but also uh, front and center in the worship services where we spend time together and, 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 and offer our, our petitions to our great Heavenly Father. Uh, prayer is just absolutely so, so very essential. Uh, number four, number four, Lord's Day worship. Our weekly highlight happens when we meet together for morning and evening worship to exalt our glorious God by offering him the joyful praise of our hearts as he feeds our souls with his life-giving word. This is something that Harvest, the session, is committed to. This is something that I'm committed to uh, um, in, in a day and age in which uh, a lot of evening services are going by the wayside. I think it's, I think it's important that we make this a priority um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, because I need to hear as much gospel and as much word of God as possible. And so we, we have two meals every Sunday. Uh, but there are other reasons as well. Um, we're talking about all the people that need to be reached. This is another opportunity to invite friends uh, and co-workers to church. 
It's also another opportunity to fellowship. Have you ever noticed, uh, if you're a part of an evening service, that a lot of times the morning is busy, right, with Sunday school and activities and people are running around. Sunday night, you can sort of enjoy each other, sort of uh, relax and and fellowship and not feel the the crunch uh, so much. Um, It's another opportunity to serve, to to use our gifts for the, the building up of the church. Um, and so there's so, so many good reasons, and so that's something that we would be committed to doing is, is gathering morning and evening. Uh, then number five, expository preaching. We are devoted to a kind of preaching that proclaims Christ from all of Scripture, that derives its meaning and application from the text itself, which results by God's grace in preaching that is biblically grounded, gospel-focused, and practically engaging for people of all ages and backgrounds. And so one of my um, favorite things about being a pastor is, uh, are the kids. I love children, um, and I love engaging them in uh, the sermon. Because I think if, if I'm not able to do that, um, if we're just going over their heads, if they don't feel like this is for them, it's no, it's no wonder why they would grow up and, and be sort of disinterested Right? And so we need to be thoughtful about engaging them um, and including them. We, we encourage them to participate with us in, in morning and evening worship. And so we ought to be uh, uh, engaging them as we go about it. So, so preaching that has a, a vibrancy, a preaching that uh, is focused on exalting Christ and also isn't afraid to get uh, practical uh, to talk about sin and talk about our need and, and talk about practical ways to, to live uh, in thankfulness to God. Uh, number six, number six, culture, uh, culture of evangelism and hospitality. We are persuaded that evangelism and hospitality are things every Christian is commanded to do out of love for Christ and neighbor. It is with this conviction that we seek to make this part of the DNA of our church as we intentionally and regularly engage unbelievers with the gospel. So it, it seems to me a lot of times um, evangelism and hospitality are, are sort of thought of in terms of, um, you know, people that are good at that do those things, right? We hire Eric to evangelize, right? And, and Eric's saying, no, 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 no. What I'm here to do is I'm, I'm here to train and, and, and encourage you to now go out and share your faith with your neighbors. Um, same with hospitality. We, we tend to think, well, you know, she's really good at it or they have a really uh, a nice home to be able to host, right? But it's a command of Scripture. It's something that we're all called and commanded to do in, in our own way. And it might look different in different contexts, um, uh, but it's something that we're call, called to do. And I think hospitality is something that, uh, our culture right now, there's a lot of uh, loneliness, right? Isolation, and, 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 and reaching out and inviting someone in, especially the stranger, giving them something to eat and, and blessing them in that way, um, I think is, is really uh, one of the key components to, to being a, an evangelistic church and a church uh, that seeks to reach out. So a culture of evangelism and hospitality, not just, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to sort of hire this out or we're going to have a few programs here and there, but, but something that just sort of emanates from us uh, so that, you know, whatever programs we have are encouraged, uh, really, they, they just sort of encourage us as individuals to, uh, to, to share our faith with those that we come in contact with. So that's a, a regular thing. Um, 85% of people who come to church for the first time do so by personal invitation. 85% by personal invitation. Um, you know, so there's a time and a place for, you know, getting signs and, and lighting outside, right? That kind of stuff so people can actually find the facility. But at the end of the day, um, people will come most often because a friend who they trust invites them, right? So that's the sort of culture that we want to, to see. Uh, back page number seven. Number seven, purposeful discipleship. Purposeful discipleship at every age. So every age, right? So uh, 
we have a tendency, at least in, our, uh, in many of our backgrounds, to sort of, okay, we're really excited about catechism and discipleship uh, in childhood and, uh, and then in the teenage years, and once they graduate from high school, then, then it's over. Uh, but, but we want at every age to, to go deeper in our walk with Christ by walking side by side in small groups and discipleship. Um, I'm going to read the, the text that I referenced here, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 11 through 16. And uh, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so equipping uh, one another uh, to do uh, works of ministry, to walk side by side. Uh, Number eight, meaningful fellowship. Jesus said that people will know we are his disciples if we love one another. We seek the sort of fellowship that shows that our unity is based on the gospel, not based on, uh, you know, human preferences, um, but based upon Christ. Uh, And so we seek seek that sort of fellowship, which uh, unites on that basis. Right? And we find ways to, to spend time together, but we find ways to spend time together in doing things that promote um, discipleship and uh, advance the kingdom. So uh, we fellowship by way of prayer and worship and, and uh, evangelism and, and uh, Bible studies, etc. Uh, number nine, shepherd leadership. We are led by our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who feeds and protects us through the gifts of elders who lovingly watch over our souls. Hebrews 13, verse 17 is a great passage, uh, and there are many others like it. And then finally, uh, number 10, uh, we desire to be a place for weakness. A place for weakness? We humbly and honestly admit our weaknesses and confess our sins to one another in order to encourage and foster the joy of repentance and their pursuit of holiness. Weakness. Uh, this does not mean that we, we celebrate our sin or we celebrate our brokenness, but that we acknowledge it. We, we, um, we don't put on masks. Uh, we, we seek to be honest and humble so that we can grow together in grace, so that we can grow in repentance, so that we can look to Christ together. Um, our family... Uh, came to harvest about six, seven weeks ago now, and so we've been getting plugged in in various ministries, just trying to learn uh, more about uh, harvest and and the culture of harvest, and one group that I have been a part of is called the James Fellowship, and the James Fellowship, uh, taken from uh, James, confess your sins to one another, is a group uh, for men who are... um, working through various addictions, sexual addiction, but in some other cases, alcohol and other things. And, and it's for harvest uh, people, but also for those uh, outside who have been invited or who have heard about it. And it's just been an incredible time together where we can be open, honest, but point each other to life in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, so instead of uh, just sort of coming across like I've got everything together, uh, I've been able to admit that I'm struggling, that I'm a sinner, that I I fight, uh, but that I love Christ, and these brothers encourage me and and point me uh, to to his word. And so that uh, that is another key key value that we we seek, is is to be a place for weakness where you can admit uh, that you don't have it all together, you could admit that you are a sinner saved by grace who seeks uh, to be holy. So those are the, those are the um, 
the 10 core values that we have uh, developed and just thought it would be helpful to sort of go through those with you and, and share a little bit about, uh, about those in my heart. Um, one more thing before we get to a, a time of question and answer, if there are any. Um, timeline, timeline, which is always an interesting, uh, so, okay, this is great, but now what? Um, so everyone, or most of you should have gotten uh, one of these. If, if you didn't, there's plenty of extras. Um, so you get to go to Chick-fil-A and, and get a free breakfast, so that's, that's cool. If you don't want them, I'll take them. Um, there's also, I've given everybody two of these. Again, I've got extras. Um, this is something to put up on the, on the fridge. Uh, it, it has our, our purpose or mission statement. It uh, has our values that I've just covered contact information, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. But then it has um, next event on the bottom. And uh, we're calling it a night of carols. And uh, we're going, December 11, we're going to come and uh, we're going to come here and we're going to sing some Christmas carols. And I think I mentioned earlier that uh, we want to build into that night uh, more fellowship, food, coffee, but also uh, an opportunity for Dale to sort of unpack again a little bit more about the OPC and, and uh, some things that he's learned about uh, a gospel-centered culture at Harvest. Uh, so that's, that's one thing on the calendar, December 11, 7 o'clock here. And now that you've found it, you'll be able to find it again, hopefully. Um, Obviously, it's uh, Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, lots going on. So in our thinking, uh, we're sort of looking at uh, the new year uh, and, and finding a, a time, a night, uh, maybe weekly, where we can get together or every other, weekly, every other week uh, to have a more formal Bible study where we're walking through Scripture. Maybe we're unpacking these core values a little bit more thoroughly together. Um, and then... Uh, we're looking at possibly starting an evening service. Um, if there's enough interest, um, this is, uh, needs to be finalized, but we've been discussing uh, February, March as the time to begin worshiping at night. Uh, in, in my experience, again, with the church plant 20 years ago, uh, they started this way. They started with an evening service, and, and while programs are going on in Sunday school, uh, I know for my family it was a lot easier to sort of check out a, a church at night. And uh, that's what they did. And, and we've been discussing uh, launching on Easter Sunday, April 21st, and that would be morning and evening. Now, that's, that's just sort of um, an idea, uh, a goal, I think, in many ways, uh, but that needs to get uh, fleshed out and ironed out as well. But that kind of gives you an idea. So December 11, we'll meet back here, and then starting in January uh, for a, a more regular time of Bible study together. So that, that's sort of what we know at this point. So at this point, um, I want to open this up to questions. I know there's a lot of information coming at you. And invite Dale and, and Wayne up as well. Um, uh, does anyone have any questions about anything that we've covered, about timeline? Um, now is your opportunity. But of course, if, if uh, you don't want to now or can't think of it now, um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, my email is, is written on here as well as my phone number. Email me, call me, text me. Uh, let's get together for coffee. Let's talk. Um, but at this point, does anyone have any questions? Yes. Yes. There is a kitchen. Yes. So um, right through here, through those doors, there is a, a kitchen and a cafeteria. That seats, uh, Mark, where's Mark Smith? What, 80 maybe? Something like that. Um, by the way, InnoTech has uh, really blessed us. They've uh, allowed us to use this space at this point at no cost. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Um, so that's a huge blessing. So at this point, we'll be using this area, but also we can utilize that. So every time we get together, in fact, I debated whether to do this in here or there. I'm glad I did here, but we have that space to use as well. By the way, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. As you walk down, um, there are restrooms. So on your way out, feel free to use those or on your left-hand side, okay, after having all your coffee. Any other questions? 
Yes. We do. We do. So if, if you need some or want more, um, I, gave, I gave you two because one goes on your fridge and one uh, is given to someone. Okay, so this is your first assignment. So if, if you're thinking about those who may be interested, maybe somebody's talked to you, couldn't come tonight, um, or for whatever reason, one is for you, one is to give away. Okay? So if you, if you need more, we've got more before you take off tonight. Other questions? Yes. Yeah, so the question is, do we have a website? Uh, how are we getting the, the news out? So uh, we're, we're really close to having a website. It's been developed. We're just waiting to sort of finalize that. Um, so once that's uh, ready to go, then we'll communicate that. Um, also, in your little packet um, is a, a connection card um, where you can give us your information, um, name, address, phone number, email. If you're interested in giving us your information, then I will include you on an email list and update you, remind you of events going on. We do have a Facebook uh, page, facebook.com slash Zealand Church Plant. And uh, um, our church planting committee of the presbytery called the Checks Committee, I've been working alongside of, and uh, they've done a great job in, in doing a lot of the legwork. So they put together that Facebook page for us. So those are a couple of ways. So websites coming soon. And that'll uh, be a really great resource, not only for you, uh, but also to give away and to, to uh, point other people to. Other questions? All right. So um, what's next is uh, next on my list. Uh, I mentioned uh, this card. Um, please fill this out tonight if, if you're able and willing and, uh, and, and give it to me or put it on the table over there um, so that we can get you uh, plugged in and, and communicate with you. Also, I mentioned the flyer. Um, the next event is, is December 11 here, same location at 7 p.m. Um, how, do, how do you pray? Someone um, asked me this week, how can I pray? That's a really good question. Um, I think you can pray uh, for, uh, you know, so the obvious, the Lord's blessing in hand, like Dale said, uh, this needs to be the work of, of Jesus. He needs to build this church. Uh, but also in terms of your own sort of um, where you're at, individually or as a family, um, pray that God would give you a sense of calling to the work. You know, a church, a church plant is unique work. It's an exciting work, but it takes a lot of labor. It takes a lot of servant-hearted people uh, to come together. And uh, so if you're sort of uh, uh, wondering, well, I'm not sure... Uh, after tonight, where to go? I would encourage you to pray um, daily that the Lord would lay it on your heart if this is something that He's calling you to do. Uh, pray that uh, the core values wouldn't just be something that we put on a nice card, but would become a part of uh, who we are uh, in the the weeks, months, and years ahead. Uh, spread the news. Uh, Facebook is a great way to do that. Uh, I mentioned a website is coming. Mentioned earlier, 85% of people who come to church for the first time is by word of mouth, so uh, talk to, to people. Also, I want to invite you to uh, Harvest Thanksgiving service. Uh, this is taking place a week from tomorrow night, Wednesday night, so the 21st. It's at 7 p.m. Um, this is a great opportunity to sort of get to know Harvest. If you're wondering about sort of well, what is Harvest about, this is a great night. Uh, I'll be preaching. There will be testimonies that are given, um, wonderful worship to our king. And so uh, a week from tonight, Wednesday, November 21st at 7 p.m., that would be a great time to come. Dale mentioned it earlier, uh, but also uh, uh, we invite you to come on Sundays. Um, not sure your situation currently, where you're at, but that's a great way to get to know the church uh, and the culture of Harvest. 
Okay, I, I think I've covered everything. Have I missed anything? Honor tonight. We thank you for this first uh, informational meeting where we've, we've had a chance to, to hear a little bit about the vision for this uh, new church plant in the Zealand area. We thank you, Lord, for Harvest OPC. We thank you for their heart for church planting and, and for their leadership. And now we pray, O oh Lord, that you would guide us. For unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so we dedicate this to you, the process to you, the details to you. Father, in the weeks between now and the next time we're together, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts. This is something that you're calling us to. Father, to be called to this work, to be a blessing to others. We have such riches, such blessing, and we pray that we would live our lives to steward uh, the resources that you have given to us. Lord, we thank you for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who saves sinners. We pray that we would love him and serve him and love those around us, giving them the gospel. We thank you for tonight, Lord, and, and keep us safe on our homeward way. Bless the fellowship now as we continue to get to know each other. Uh, Lord, keep us safe. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.